0: Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. May God add a blessing to His word. You may be seated. Please join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come before you. You are a good, good Father. You are perfect. And we are not. But it is by your grace, by your mercy, by your love, that you've called us unto yourself. And so, Father, as we come before you now to hear your word. I pray that we would receive it well and write it upon our hearts and allow it to guide our lives in you. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. As we are continuing our series in James, over the past few weeks, we have examined the first half of chapter 1 in James, as it relates to trials, as it relates to testings and temptations. And as a person who desires to be a mature Christian, which is the theme by which we are operating under within the book of James, we need to allow those trials to do their work and not allow our desires to be tempted to sin. James now shifts midway in this chapter, having addressed all those things that come against us that aid in our spiritual maturity, such as trials and tribulations, and how we are to mature, but now he's going to turn it a little bit, and he's going to call us as to how we are to conduct ourselves under God's Word, more specifically, how we are to receive God's Word. In fact, over the next few chapters, James provides the way in which believers are to receive God's Word that reflects Christ and exemplifies that spiritual maturity that we desire. You know, to start it off, I'd like to quote A.W. Tozer as it relates to the Word of God. And he says, The Word of God well understood and religiously obeyed is the shortest route to spiritual perfection. And we must not select a few favorite passages to the exclusion of others. Nothing less than the whole Bible can make a Christian. You know, it's my belief, and I believe the Word of God definitely supports this, that a true believer in Christ, called by His Word, is one who is eagerly desiring to hear it. They have a desire to live under it. They have a desire to be influenced by it. They have a desire to be empowered by it, to be directed by it, and to be obedient to it. Now, I'm not saying it doesn't require discipline in reading God's Word, receiving God's Word, walking in God's Word. But, you know, all things that are worthy of an endeavor require discipline. But there should always be a longing within the believer for God's Word. And as we will learn, it is the implanted Word in us by God through His grace for salvation. As we learn in verse 18... Where it was the word of truth that brought forth our salvation. And when we heard the gospel of Jesus Christ and the Word of God, it ignited our faith to believe. And from that time forward, it should influence how we live. We should have a desire for it. I've met Christians who have said, Oh, I've I believe in the Lord. I, I gave my life to Christ, and we would engage in a conversation. You know, obviously, it's like anything else, right? Oh, I love Chevy pickups. Hey, you talk Chevy pickups. Oh, I love the Minnesota Vikings. Let's talk about the players and its history. But when I meet a Christian, I'm like, Oh, yeah. Where do you Where do you go? Where do you worship, right? And I've met some that say, Yeah, I don't go to church. I don't. I don't read the Word of God. How does that happen? If it's the implanted Word of God, it's in you. And it desires the things of God. And so I become very concerned when I hear things like that. And so this morning, we're gonna talk about how we are to receive God's word, how to receive God's words. And now understand, this is on the backdrop of James talking about trials, tribulations, and testing and temptations. And so we need to receive God's word correctly in order to face those things those things of life, and to spiritually mature in faith. So let's look at verse 19 through 20. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Here within these two verses, we see how we are to receive God's Word. Now some speculate, just a little bit of a historical background that may be uh, part of, of James's inspiration here. Some speculate that the origin of what James is talking about here came from a firsthand experience within the new church. In fact, I can't help but wonder if what James is alluding to here is the first church council that we see in Acts chapter 15, where there was a great division, if you recall. It led to the first church council, as it related to whether Gentile believers, new believers who are Gentile, should follow the Jewish law. And there were some believers who used to be from the Pharisaic side of the Jewish belief that they felt strongly that they should. And so it got so debated, so heated, that there was actually a division. And so what did they do? They went to Jerusalem before the elders of which James presided, and they stated the case. And so I can't help believe that James is drawing from a personal experience as to how we are to receive the Word of God. And regardless of what James really is influenced here by, maybe it was a personal account on how somebody received the Word of God. He admonishes us to receive the Word in a proper way whether it be from a personal study at home, meditating upon the Word of God, or whether it's taught to you in a Sunday school class or a mentoring session, or whether it's by virtue of the preaching of the Word in the church. And so right out of the gate, James admonishes us to do what? To be quick to hear. To be quick to hear. You know, we've said this many times, if prayer is the first and most important work of the church and believer, then hearing has to be second. It was once said, the key to wisdom is to hear more than you speak. And when you speak, do so to learn by asking questions. You know, a predominant theme in God's Word is hearing. Is hearing. In fact, it's how we become saved. As for, this is Paul speaking, or this is Jesus. As for for that, that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the Word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with rep- with patience. Now, Jesus is talking about the parable of the sower. And if you, do a, if you do a study of the parable of the sower, we always focus on the seed, right? Where's the seed landing? But go back and study it and pay attention to the word hear or heard. It has just as much to do with the parable of the sower as the seed. And here Jesus is saying, And those who hearing the Word hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit in repentance. We know in Romans chapter 7 it says, So faith comes by hearing and hearing through the Word of Christ. And so we hear unto salvation, we hear unto our faith, we grow. Hearing is extremely important in the life of a believer. In fact, it was once said that, You got two ears for a reason and only one mouth. So you would hear twice as much as you speak. I don't know if that's true or not, but nonetheless, I thought that was interesting. Did you know there's over 100 verses just in the ESV that talk about hearing? Now, if I typed in listen, there might be some, you know, same of the verses, but it's a consistent theme throughout Scripture to hear. Now when it comes to hearing, there's a couple of keys that we need to understand. The first one is, we need to listen. We need to listen. I tell my wife all the time, I heard you, I just wasn't listening, right? We can do that, right? We can hear things, but we're not listening. And the reason for that is hearing is receiving noise. Listening is interpreting that noise. And so I always hear my wife. I don't always listen to her. But in Proverbs 2.2, as it relates to the Word of God, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining, that's an intentional word, inclining your heart to understand. It's a hearing word. It's inclining your ear to hear the Word of God With intentionality. How many times have you read your Bible just to read it, and when you put it away, you're like, oh, wait, what? You were hearing, but you weren't listening to what God was saying. In fact, one one time somebody came up to me and he says, you know, what do you recommend for a daily devotional as far as the Bible goes? And we talked about several different books in the Bible that you could read, you know, starting maybe with the Gospels and then... There's various other epistles that really do a good job in drawing you closer to the Lord early in your walk. But my advice to them is always this. Read until the Holy Spirit stops you because that's probably what He wants you to hear and listen to. And and so it's not an exercise in how many words I can read and how many chapters I can read or how many books I can read. Now, there's nothing wrong with a a full year plan. Right? We need to have you know, historical-based knowledge on, on the Word of God as a whole. But when the Lord stops you on a specific verse, stop and listen to what He's saying because He's speaking to you. And the second element that must be in play, if we're going to hear properly, is faith. This is Paul speaking to the church in Galatians chapter 3, verse 2. He says, let me ask you this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Yes, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God, but it's reciprocal in that to truly hear and listen to God's Word and receive it, it takes faith. John 8, 47, Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. Now, this is a hard verse, but it's true. For my sheep hear my voice. We're talking about that implanted word again. And we hear our shepherd. We hear the words of God. So hearing is paramount. Now, next, as it relates to receiving God's Word, we are to be slow to speak. Slow to speak. If we are to be quick to listen, it should follow that we should be slow to speak. Now, what James means here is that we are to restrain ourselves from hasty and ill-considered reactions to what is being heard. Let me say that again. What it really means here is that we are to restrain ourselves from a hasty and ill considered reaction to what is being heard. In other words, responding without fully understanding what's being said, or being objectable to what is being said before you understand its full meaning. Look, if we respond to the Word of God without fully understanding in context what's being said, we're doing so by way of emotion and ignorance and not by way of wisdom and humility. How many times have you spoken to a person concerning God's Word? And when you get to a difficult passage that is an imperative meaning, that's something that we are called to do. And immediately they say, no, that's how you interpret it. That's how you interpret it. That's not how I interpret it. And you know, more times than not, when I say something, you know, when I'm, when I'm sharing a scripture and somebody says that to me, I'm not dealing with a complex doctrinal scripture. I'm dealing with something that's very easy to interpret, but it's calling them to obedience, and they didn't like that. I'm sure you've had that thrown in your... That, that, that's not what that means to me know what it, what it means to God and what He's calling you to do. Or how about a new believer who is trying to instruct others in the Word of God before they really understand what the Word of God is saying? Bless their heart. They want to they wanna, they wanna share what the Lord is... How many times I've seen new Christians come up and say, Oh, I was reading God's Word. I said, That's awesome. That's great. Help me refine what you're reading because that's not what that means. You know, sometimes our English words don't really explain what the Greek really says. And so it's very important that we fully understand what God's Word is saying. Or maybe you're trying to lovingly correct someone as to how they are living contrary to the Word of God. You know, that's one of the tough things as brothers and sisters in Christ When we see a brother or sister in error, yeah, we need to bathe that in prayer and we need to make sure that we are prayed up so that when we confront them in love with the purpose of restoration, knowing that we're right in what we're bringing, you know, they become immediately offended when you bring it up. And that's not how we're supposed to respond to the Word of God whether we're confronted by somebody who loves us, whether we're new in Christ as to reading the Word for the first time, or we're reading a Scripture or we're shared with a Scripture that's tough for us to process, the first step that we're supposed to do is listen. Don't be so quick to speak. Don't be so quick to shut somebody down. Don't be so quick because what God's Word is saying here, what James is saying here is, listen listen to the full context and you know what sometimes we're going to listen to the full context we're going to understand what they're saying and at the end we we still may not agree with them but we're not supposed to disagree with them with anger with anger and that's the next thing is we're not to respond to the word of god with anger Here, James reveals what happens when we fail to listen, when we fail to respond well to God's Word. We can respond by anger. Now, this word used by James does not mean a moment, momentary outburst of anger. I, one of the things that I don't know why I do it, I'll probably have to sit down with Doc there and, and kind of explore this, but sometimes when I'm, like yesterday I was working in my shop, and a loud noise, you know, something fell, right? And it scared me and immediately fight or flight kicks in, right? And in those situations, I'm, I don't want to flee. I want to fight. And I'm like, where does that come from? So, so that's something I need to explore, but, but maybe from my military experience, I don't know. But that's not what James is talking about here. What James is talking about here is a strong, persistent feeling of indignation and active anger. So it's not just quickly losing our temper, but a persistent feeling, meaning it's something you harbor that you're armed with, waiting to fire that gun. Again, I can't help but think of the situation here that may be driving this is that First Church Council where you could about imagine the, the Pharisaical individuals and the and the ones that argued that Gentiles shouldn't, the debate on how somebody can defend the Word of God with anger. And that's not how we are to be. We're not supposed to be prone to anger. Now, There's a righteous anger, but that righteous anger still doesn't act out rashly or violently. In fact, in... Colossians 3.12, here's what we're admonished to be. Put on then God's chosen, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. You know, I'm going to tell on myself here just for an example, and I'm not proud of this, but I learned a great deal from it, and I hope that you do too. Now, for those that know me, I'm a pretty passionate person about God's Word. Pretty passionate about holding to sound doctrine. I'm pretty passionate about teaching sound doctrine. There was a time when I was engaged in a conversation with another brother, and we have been having this conversation over a period of time, and we didn't agree. And each time that we spoke, voices started to raise a little bit more. Resistance started to happen a little bit more. And soon, as we were having this conversation, feeling neither one of our points were being received, my brother did something that I just felt dismissed. And I responded in anger. And I just got up and I started to walk out. And I still remember this voice to this day, as calm as you could possibly imagine, as if it was God's voice himself, don't leave like this. And I stopped before I hit the door. And all that anger just went, you see a kind word disarms wrath. You know, after thinking about it, after it happened, and of course we reconciled and I apologized to my brother. You know, I wasn't defending God's word. I was defending me. I was angry because I felt I was saying, what I was saying was not being heard. And when it was finally dismissed, and I felt dismissed, I responded in the way in which James tells us not to. I wasn't very mature, and I was embarrassed, and the Holy Spirit did a work, and praise the Lord. He received when I asked for forgiveness, and we reconciled. But that's how easy that can happen when you're sharing God's Word. Look, we're passionate about what we believe. That's a good thing, but don't let that passion. When you feel it's not being received in the manner in which you are passionate about, don't let your anger pop up and destroy the conversation. That's one of the things that I loved when I was going to school for my grad work. And I was miffed by it, how in the academic world, they'll entertain any position. Evaluate it, diagnose it, dissect it, and then say, you know, I don't, I don't agree with that. There's never shouting. There's never anger. It's always like, oh, okay, let me hear your position on that. Yeah, i sorry. I don't agree with that. And here's why. This is what Scripture says. That's how that's supposed to work. Not get up and walk out in anger. Anger should never be the response to God's Word for those who bring it, those who teach it, those who preach it, or just sitting down, and discussing it. And why is this true? Because anger, an angry man, does not produce the righteousness of God. It doesn't. It never will. Because you know what anger does? Shuts the door. You ever have somebody slam the door in your face that's nice? Oh, you have a great day. No, they usually do that. In my job, I have had the door slammed in my face several times because of what I do for a living, it's angry, you know. And when we're angry, we shut the door because we don't want to listen anymore. You've offended me. Do you know where anger comes from? We discussed this in verse 14. Anger comes from unfulfilled and violated desires. You have a desire to be heard. You're not. You could become angry. Or unfulfilled desires can result in anger. It all goes back to our desires. And if they're tempted in a situation, they can respond in sin. And so James is saying that a mature Christian receives the Word of God by hearing it, by listening in faith, and being slow to speak with the desire to hear the full matter of God's Word and never respond in anger when we hear it from others. Now in verse 21, James says, Therefore, Again, when we see that word, therefore, we must back up. And since James has said, anger does not produce the righteousness of God and that our actions in life need to be governed by God's word and character and action, James then says, we must clean house. We must clean house. He says, therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. Now, this verse was led to some confusion and debate. As James seems to be saying, we must put away wickedness and our filthiness of sin, then we can be saved by the Word of God. Obviously, when we compare this with Paul's teaching on grace, and that yet while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, there must be another meaning to what James is saying here, because Scripture interprets Scripture. They're not in conflict with one another. Now, there are people that thought there was. In fact, James almost didn't make it to the canonization because of it. So what is James saying here? What James is saying here, and remember, he is writing to believers. That's who this letter is written to. Is that we do, in fact, sin. We do, in fact, have a sin nature. And that we are in constant state of sanctification, growing in the image and likeness of Christ throughout our entire life. And our desires should be turning from sin to righteousness over that time. But we have yet to be perfected. We have yet to come to the full maturity of Christ. In fact, we won't until the day of Christ Jesus. So we need to examine our hearts to ensure that our actions are guided by God's Word and not our own sinful and fleshly desires. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. Desire is very strong in us, and we need to be aware of it. We need to understand what it desires. We need to understand how it works so that we can thwart it before it becomes sin by repentance. Now, putting away here is kind of interesting what this means. It means stripping off of old garments. Stripping off of old garments. I like how Hebert says this when he says this. He's one of the commentators that I read. He says, Putting away is the duty of divesting oneself of certain undesirable qualities or deeds. I like what he says there. Divesting oneself of certain undesirable qualities or deeds. You see, those undesirable qualities, they can go under the radar in our character. And then left unchecked can be defended as a personality versus what it really is, that sin. For example... A confrontational person can be dismissed for just simply being direct. And yet he's simply being confrontational because that has yet to change in them. It has yet to be taken to the cross. And maybe they're totally unaware of it. I can't remember, it was maybe Adam and Clay or both that we were talking on Wednesday, how when we first come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit just floods us with all of this stuff that we need to repent of and forgive and walk away from and turn 180 degrees and walk away from it. And most of it we do. But then there's those things that are totally ingrained in us, that have been there for a long time and we work hard to get rid of them, and we repent, and we, and we fail, and we repent, and we fail, and we just continuously bring it to the cross, and then over time, we kind of give up, and then it just becomes a part of who we are. Things like anger, things like control, Things like pride. Those things can go under the radar. And we can walk in them. And so we need to continuously examine ourselves. We need to continuously pray unto the Holy Spirit. And we need to continuously allow the Word of God to speak to our hearts and reveal that which is yet to go to the cross and repented of. So we receive the implanted Word of God with meekness in order to allow the filthiness and the wickedness to guide our actions. It's one of the purposes of the implanted Word of God is to be worked out in you so that your whole life is dominated by it. And implanted here is very important for us to understand the Word of God is not native to our soul. Did you know that? We're not born with the Word of God written on our hearts. It is implanted when we give our lives to Christ and we're regenerated. The visual picture here that James is using is more than just being grafted in, which I believe is what the King James renders it, but it is a seed that is planted in the heart of the believer, as in the parable of the sower, And the seed that fell on the fertile ground grew and produced fruit. And this ground is made fertile by the grace of God. And we are to receive this word with meekness, which means humility. As with putting off that which is evil, we must then put on with humility that which is of Christ. Colossians 3, 12 through 14. Put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so also you must forgive. And above all, these put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. It's humility. This meekness. Listen to this. I was praying about this and God gave me this and I want to share it with you. For the word of God came in humility, it lived in humility, it was crucified in humility and rose in humility. Therefore, we are to come in humility. Be crucified ourselves in humility. Live in humility so we can be raised in humility. And so what James is saying in these verses that we're talking about is that the word of God is to guide all of our actions and our interactions. It is to be written on our hearts in such a way that everything we do and say is guided by it and not by our emotions and not by our desires. Now, when James says, and we'll close with this segment of the scripture, concerning this implanted word, it says, he says, it's able to save your souls. Again, James is speaking to believers in this letter, and I'm sure there may have been a few non-believers in the church when he wrote this letter, or the letter was read in the churches, just like there are non-believers in the churches today. But what James is saying is not a working of salvation. You can't work, you can't earn your salvation. It's not based on works. It means you must clean yourself up and walk straight that's, or that's not what it means as as far as you need to clean yourself up and walk so that you'll be saved. In other words, it's a work salvation. that's not what he's that's not what he's saying. Many people have interpreted that, but that's not what he's saying. Again, we must look at Paul's word as a as scripture again you know talks about um, interpreting scripture on Peter's teaching on salvation, and again, this has caused some debate, but when we study soteriology, which is the study of salvation, we see that Scripture promotes three aspects of salvation. The first one is... In 1 Peter 3:18 for Christ also suffered once for our sins the righteous for the unrighteous that he might bring us to God being put to death in the flesh being made alive in the spirit Christ died for you over 2000 years ago to open the door of salvation for those that believe and so it's something that was done in the past but it is also something that is done in the present. Paul, in speaking to the Corinthian church in his second letter to them, in verse, uh, chapter 6, verse 2, says, Behold, now is favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Not tomorrow. Not next month. Not a year from now. Today is the day of salvation. Whenever I witness to somebody and I talk to them about the Lord, I tell them all the time when they say, you know, I really like in, when Paul was at Agrippas and they were talking about, yeah, we'll consider what you said, Paul. We'll give it some good thought. But whenever I hear that, I say, listen, today is a day of salvation. Today is a day that God is speaking to your heart, the Word of God that brings life. Hear what the Word of God is saying. This is not some chance moment. This has been orchestrated by the living God, by the Holy Spirit. Hear the words of God. Respond to the words of God. But salvation is also something in the future, too. There's an aspect of salvation that's in the future. 1 Thessalonians 4, 16-17. For the Lord Himself will descend from heaven with the cry of command and the voice of an archangel and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with Him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord." Someday the Lord is coming. Pray God it's soon. There's a part of me, I I, I get a little torn on that. Just like Paul got a little torn. I'd like to be with Christ, but yet I want to remain and continue to minister. There are a lot of people that I love who have not given their lives to Christ. And they're in my life. And so there's a part of me that says, come Lord Jesus. But then there's a part of me not before they're saved. And it's a, it's a dichotomy, I, I, I assure you. And when the Lord does come, and I pray, God, that they do come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, if they don't, we have a good Father who will wipe away that tear. But nonetheless, He may come, as we know, He will come as a thief in the night. Sometimes we take liberties with time. So if you're sharing the Word of God with somebody, if you have family members that don't yet believe, pray fervently that God will give you an opportunity and give them a fertile heart to receive the words that you speak. For time is short. And so salvation is not only something that was done for us in the past, it is of today, but it's also present reality or future reality. And it is something we're working on daily. In fact, Paul writes in Philippians 2:12. Therefore, my beloved, as you always obeyed, so now, only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. We're talking about sanctification here. We're talking about a a leaning and an obedience to the Word of God that continuously changes who you are. We should never plateau as a Christian. There is no plateau with the Christian. It's a continuing forward-upward progress to becoming Christ-like. Whether you're young at heart or old in age, it doesn't matter. Every day we have an opportunity to grow. Are we growing? Are we growing in that salvation that we're supposed to work out with fear and trembling? And that fear and trembling is sometimes generated by the fact that we're receiving God's Word in a way that really challenges us as to what we're supposed to do. For instance, Somebody may have really hurt you in your life. I mean, really hurt you. And then God directs you to the verses that speak on forgiveness. We're too quick to hear that. We're to be slow to speak against it. And we are not to allow the anger to derive from it. But maybe you had a tough verse it spoke to your heart, and you said, Do you know what they've done, Lord? There is no way I can forgive that person. Oh, there's no way, Lord, what you're asking me to do, I can do. It's impossible. So sometimes we can react. And when we work out our salvation through fear and trembling, I guarantee you there are going to be verses in God's Word that are going to generate those feelings. And what James is saying, be slow to, quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. And clean yourself up. God may be revealing something that needs to be taken to the cross. Well, then take it to the cross and leave it there. And allow that implanted word to continue to grow in you. And so this morning we see that James reveals how we are to receive the Word of God by being quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, remove by way of repentance the filthiness and wickedness that it reveals. And then walk in humility in the implanted Word that we have received and that continuously allow it to sanctify your soul. Brothers and sisters, James is giving us the key, the key, and how we are to receive God's Word and how we're to walk in it. And when we do as He directs, we will grow in maturity in Christ and be freed from the things that enslave us, our sin. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You that it speaks directly to our heart, that it rightly divides and that it reaches down deep inside where sometimes we don't even want to go and brings to light those areas in our lives that we need to take to you. Lord, help us now, after hearing your word, to walk in it, to be blessed by it. And so, Father, I just thank you for this time, and I ask your blessing to be upon this assembly. In Jesus' name, amen. please stand with